0: tells me (laughs) he just hits that button real quick
1: you look like a 90 year old woman with
0: your thank you that's my goal every day of my life my dream is to be when i'm an old woman I want to be just like Julia Sugarbaker from Designing Women. Yes. I even, <laughs> Grandma used to get onto me when I was little because I'd suck my cheeks in so I could have Julia's cheekbones. She'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm Julia Sugarbaker. <laughs> you quit that. Now, for those who don't know who is Julia. Julia Sugarbaker is the main character, or at least to me, of the show Designing Women. <laughs> and she is a Southern belle and just oh, she's a badass. That's... My, I used to look up to her and Dorothy Spornak when I was a little girl. So, you know, <laughs> that's the type of heroes I was after. <laughs> right. I don't know why people didn't know that you were gay, Josh, from a young
1: child. Well, I was thinking about this the other night. It's very interesting because when mom was pregnant for you, they detected at the time if you were a boy or a girl— By your heartbeat. Yeah. And they told mom that you were a girl because you had a faint heartbeat.
0: Even when I was born, I had a pink room and dresses. Yeah.
1: Well, you had to come home from the hospital in girls' clothing because (laughs)
0: that's all mom had because they had gotten all girls' clothes because they thought you were a girl. Even I was a month old my first Halloween and mama cross-dressed me. (laughs) You as well. The picture somewhere. (laughs) She even put little bows in her hair. Yeah. We'll have to if we find it, we'll
1: put it on our Patreon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of our
1: first Halloween of
0: <laughs> We won, she said, the <laughs> Halloween costume for the kids at the church that year. She brought us up there and mm-hmm. she's you know, nobody had seen me because I was a month old and they were like, I thought you had a little boy. I did. He's dressed for Halloween. Oh, it was a Baptist <laughs> church,
1: and little did they know that that would not be acceptable someday at the church. Right, <laughs>
0: Mama did not give do shit. Now the scarf, is that one of the scarves that I gave you? Yeah, this is the one uh, Chip uh, gave you Chip to give coffee, me for yeah. Christmas a few years ago. Oh, yes. I have this, and then I have little Egyptian oh, things yes. that belong to... Yes. A relative of the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yes. Which and I've been
1: to her house. I it's hate a beautiful. You. It's in
0: Denver. I love I like the history of Molly Brown, mm-hmm. but I especially love the Kathy Bates played her. Which mm. a fun fact about that, one of my favorite country singers, Reba McIntyre, was originally cast to play that role but had to back out because of concert schedule conflicts. That's so crazy. it would have even been better. I mean, I love Kathy Bates, but imagine Reba in Titanic. Yes, please. Right. Yeah. No,
1: the scarf looks fabulous. Well, thank and you. I, I do love that it was a gift from Chip, who, of course, is a good little friend of mine. He's a, such a pleasant little person, isn't he?
0: Oh yes. And I don't know. I wear it whenever I need a little extra, like l- light on me. Yeah. Like I feel like it's it, it's from Chip, so I'm sure it's cleansed and yeah. Oh, I'm sure Keeps all the bad juju away Exactly Well, it looks fabulous
1: Oh, thank you And Josh always tries to look fabulous And I always think that it's, it's so funny I don't have to try It just It, it just, just happens, happens. <laughs> It just emits from his pores <laughs> I'm sure it takes you a couple hours to get ready every day And you know what I do to get like ready? 15 minutes Oh, good Because I just jump in the shower, brush my teeth, and go
0: Oh, God <laughs> You don't have and <laughs> oh, God. and like this is not fair. He probably uses bar soap for face wash, and I have like creams and tonics and everything else. And no,
1: I, I have, have a little like, container of, of face wash.
0: A one. Yeah, I have, I have one. like tin. It I have does say like
1: that it's pH balanced or something. Huh. Yeah, I didn't buy it because of that. I just need. I just. I know from living with you and grandmother that you should have your own face wash.
0: Oh yeah, like your butt. Is different from your face. And you should treat the skin on your butt the same that you do your face. Oh, well, I learned that today. I didn't realize that. So So you should be washing your butt with your face wash. I have two different face washes. One for my face that doesn't have any oils or anything in it. And then another one for my derriere. Mm. And, oh, I mean, I'm not sure. Well, (laughs) just getting into the deep of it. I use my hind end for other things and... (laughs) I am also praising Jesus. I am also currently in a man's body, so there's hair in places <laughs> I don't wish there to be. And sometimes you get irritation from Nair. <laughs> from Nair. So I have to do creams and tonics on my dairy
1: Oh my gosh, I read this hilarious review of Nair the other day. I found it online. And it was of this man who, you know, was just surfing the internet or whatever. And he saw Nair, and he thought, well, you know, I'm going to treat my wife and use Nair. And he had never heard of it. Oh, God. But he knew that Nair was supposed to remove hair. It does. Yeah. So he (laughs) thought, well, how convenient. This seems like such a perfect product. I'm going to use it in my private bits.
0: Oh, God.
1: So I know. And so he goes to the bathroom, you know, and he fixes himself up with a snare, and he lets it on. And, I mean, he apparently cakes it all over his private parts, right? <laughs> oh, God. And he describes it as he, like, lets it set in that suddenly it just starts burning horribly. And he goes to, like, get it off of himself. And even when he washes it off, it won't stop hurting. Oh, yeah. So then he runs into the kitchen. And the first thing he does is he opens the freezer and gets ice cream out <gasps> and, like, throws oh, it God. all over because, you know, it won't stop burning.
0: Talk about a panic. <laughs>
1: right. And his wife walks in the room, and she's just, like,
0: dumbstruck at, like, what (laughs) kind of possessed is he? What the hell is going on here? (laughs) Now, I'll never forget the one and only time mother ever walked in on me as a teenager. I was nairing, and I still don't think (sighs) she believes me. (laughs) Because, you know, I was sitting on the bed naked, naked as we used to say, and I had nair on my private parts, (laughs) and I was probably, like, 14 and it was her nair i just found it in the closet and it was like the the older style that did burn right then mom you know she didn't knock she just walks in which she had teenage boys she should have had more damn common sense than to just open a teenage boy's (laughs) door in the middle of the day but she caught me and i quickly you know i didn't want her to see me nairing because oh that's feminine they'll know i'm gay with this lisp and (laughs) I quickly put the covers over me. She instantly thought, oh, God, I just walked in on And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I swear I'm naring. I swear. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just... I'm naring. <laughs> I know. I don't know if she ever believed me, but I swear I was I'm just naring. I'm naring. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell grandma. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> that, hilarious. That was my only concern growing up is I didn't want grandma to find Don't tell out. grandma to find it. Yeah. Don't want grandma to know. No, because she'll pray for you. No, I was afraid that, like, when I did come out, I lived with Grandma shortly after that, and I genuinely had a fear that I'd be woken up in the middle of the night for an exorcism. (laughs) I wasn't. I was just giving holy oil anointed candles to light and pray, Mm. but no exorcism. I, I was surprised. Well, at least while you were awake. Yeah. <laughs> at least while I was
1: conscious. Right. She probably put some holy water outside the That bedroom. time she gave
0: me a quarter of one of her pain pills when I wasn't feeling good and I slept for two days. I think that's, yeah. Right. Take some of this hot toddy with right. it. You'll feel okay
1: tomorrow.
0: You'll feel good as rain. <laughs> Sweat it out. Grandma, I'm 12. I don't think I should be drinking liquor.
1: Right. I remember being at church with Grandma once. I think it was at our... We call him Uncle Johnny, but really, he's our, like, great-great- He was our grandfather's uncle, but they were the same age. so, like, great-great-uncle Johnny or something. And we were at church with him, and this has been several years ago, of course. And Grandma, I think I started coughing or something. I don't don't know. I had a headache. And Grandma, like, got in her purse and, you know, like, just fidgeting around without trying to, like, actually, like, you know, see, like, look into her purse. And she gave me a, a medicine of some kind. I think she thought there was Tylenol ibuprofen. And after she handed it to me, you know, I just, like, took it. And she gave me her water because Grandma always had water on oh, her. Oh, yeah. Uh, of, like, her refilling the same water bottle. Like, it wasn't new water. <laughs> She's always just refilling water <laughs> yeah, If you bottles. got
0: a bottle of water out of Grandma's fridge, it wasn't fresh. No. It was filled up in the sink. And they had well water, yeah. too. So it would be a little brown yeah. sometimes. Yeah,
1: very, very well water. But anyway, so she gave me this pill. I took it. And then a couple minutes later she got to thinking she looks over she goes did you take that pill i gave you and i was like yeah and she's why like, wouldn't i grandma right I why trust wouldn't i i i believe you <laughs> and she's just like okay and she looked in her purse and she goes see you tomorrow yeah and she's like <laughs> you took that didn't you and i was like yeah she goes all right <laughs> She didn't tell me anything. It's probably a nerve pill, or something. <laughs> probably blood pressure pill. Grandma, or something. I feel funny. Yeah, and I just, I just like, well, that was weird. And then I just got to thinking, you know, on the drive home, I just thought, am I going to pass out, or am I not going to know what's going to happen? You know, because she just asked me twice, "Did you take that pill?" Yeah, well, she's I probably it.
0: hankered because she was addicted to nerve pills for. Well, yeah. I mean, the majority of our life. I mean, not like. She wasn't, you know, getting them in the back alley. They were prescribed to her. Her doctor just, he was, should have retired long before he did. And just kept prescribing her the same nerve pill for 30-something years. when she didn't need it. Right. So she's probably like, where's my damn nerve pill? Can't make it out, you know, finish church without it. Damn it. The kid got it.
1: Well, I think she was more of like, thought that she gave me Tylenol (laughs) and then realized that she probably gave me a nerve pill, you know, like... Oh, did I just give him something that I didn't mean to give him? Well, yeah.
0: at least he'll be calm for the rest of the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> the rest of the day seemed a little foggy. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. No wonder we were such calm kids. We were being nerve pilled. <laughs> Here, eat this dinner. You guys will sleep real good. <laughs> right. Well, we're ten minutes into the conversation.
1: We haven't even started our topic, which reminds me of that bad review we got that one time. No, I know. Why don't these
0: people just start drinking coffee so they can I get on to the topic? I just finished mine. I know. See oh. how they are. Listen, it. It's Monday. We haven't seen each other all, all weekend. weekend. We
1: have to catch up with each other. If you don't like it, just don't listen. Right. Fast forward, people. God, right. you can you everything. A, you have a button right. on your phone.
0: Hit that little 10-second skip yeah, till you get you to the story. <laughs> right.
1: Well, Josh, why don't I start my topic this time? And you have a topic this time. I we do have a topic. To you know, we didn't get to it last time because Kimberly joined us and we talked about... Amber, so we didn't get to my topic. So we're going to get to my topic this time. Awesome. So, you know, I just returned back from Europe. And the very first thing I thought of when I got into England, which is so funny, is how so many people died there when the world's worst plague hit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The first one. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, oh, man. I don't know why, but as the plane was landing, I was like, oh yeah, this is like where the plague all happened, you know, because I just thought about that. And then as I got to my hotel room, I started looking more into like the plague. And so I wanted to talk just a little bit about the plague. And that's not going to be, the plague in Europe is not going to be my topic today. Though. Okay. So specifically, the plague is, of course, an infectious disease. To Caused by the bacteria... The bubonic plague? Yes. Okay. Caused by the bacteria, you're going to have to go with me on this, Yersinia pestis. Bless him, Lord. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going <laughs> to go with that. That's probably what it's called. It may not be what it's called. <laughs> that may not be how it's pronounced, but we're going to go with that. So there are actually three types of manifestations of the plague. The bubonic plague which most of us know about. So that happens if a flea is infected with the bubonic plague and that flea bites a human, the plague causing bacteria will then be passed into tissue into that human. Once the plague is inside the body, the bacteria makes its way into the lymph nodes, which I'm sure you know what the lymph nodes are. Anytime you're like ill, you're like feeling around your neck for those lumps. Feels
0: like I got rocks in there, right?
1: Well, once there, the lymph nodes will swell, and they form these very characteristic big bulbs. Boobles. Yeah, and that's why they call it that. And that's what the plague is known for. They get huge, and they get so overwhelmed that they'll bust open. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. lovely.
0: We're we doing lunch after this? <laughs> yeah, we are going to eat
1: lunch. Let's get some yogurt. Something. Biscuits and gravy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the second type... Of plague is the septismic plague. And that's when your lymph nodes will drain into your bloodstream. The bacteria can enter the blood and then travel. Mm. Oh, it sounds very, (laughs) very great, doesn't it? The bacteria can cause blood clots to the point of tissue death. And then that will cause a lack of circulation. If you've ever seen photos of
0: black body parts, this is what causes that. Necrotizing fleshyitis. Probably. I have no idea. But <laughs> that's yes. the biggest word I know that I can <laughs> say the fastest.
1: <laughs> Very weird that you know that and then you just spill on that out there. But if you've ever seen like photos of plague victims and like you'll see like parts of their limbs like completely black, mm-hmm. this is Ooh. the second type of plague.
0: Ooh, bless them.
1: This will then deplete the body's clotting ability so it can no longer control bleeding. And that's usually fatal. Right. A little sm- cut, one little cut, and oh, yeah. Now, yep, you no longer can clot. Ugh. So the Sorry. third I pictured their black fingers. Ugh. <laughs> the third type of plague is the pneumonic plague. It's when the infection is in the lungs and it spreads through coughing. So again, for the other two types, you know, you have the bubonic plague, which is spread through fleas, which traveled on rats. Yeah, then you have. This type, which is spread through coughing because it's in your lungs. Initially, you can't tell this type from any other type of respiratory illness.
0: Coronavirus! Right?
1: (laughs) Until the plague signs show up in the later stages. So, you know, when you have your lymph nodes swell up. Once it's already been spread
0: to countless people. Right,
1: exactly. It's very rapid and mortality is almost 100%. From the time you get it until death, it's about one to six days. So, when someone gets the plague, you'll have flu-like symptoms. Once you get infected, you have a 30 to 90 percent chance of dying, and that's typically within the first 10 days. Ooh, yeah, it's not pretty, of course. The most common way it's spread is, of course, fleas that are getting carried around on rats. However, those fleas will get carried around on smaller animals as well,
0: right? Including rats. I mean, every, and they were cats. That's what one of the things that gets me with the plague is that it was spread by fleas, and it just really puts into perspective how bad fleas were back then. Mm. Because I mean, it spread instantly, yeah. like everywhere, and people were walking around with them fleas in their bed. It was oh, common. Yeah. They wore wigs because fleas were so bad. Right. So, ugh. so a lot of people know about the plague
1: because, of course, the Black Death from the Middle Ages. But did you also know that there were two other times the plague appeared in history? I do, but I study history. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, of course, the Plague of Justinian, which started in the Eastern Roman Empire, which was in Egypt between 541 and 549 AD. This is the first recorded major outbreak of the plague. It spread in the entire Mediterranean basin, Europe, and the Near East. It crippled the Sistanian Empire, the Byzantine Empire, and especially Constantinople. The name comes from the Byzantine Empire, Justinian I, who contracted the disease but recovered And I read that he actually recovered, you know, of course, because anytime you are a royalty and you have a lot of money, of course, like everyone is going to give you the best type of treatment. Right. So he had and he received all the types of special treatment and he ended up recovering. So he was a lucky person.
0: One of the few. Yeah.
1: So in that capital city, one fifth of the population died from the plague. It's believed it spread so quickly from rats on ships going from city to city. But, of course, back then they had no idea that it was being spread through rats and then on fleas.
0: They thought it was the the devil or, you know. Oh, yeah. Anything but logic. Right.
1: (laughs) The first city it was noticed in was a port city in Egypt. And it spread to Constantinople, it's believed, from a grain ship arriving from Egypt. At its peak, 5,000 people were dying in Constantinople. The city ran out of room to bury the dead, often leaving bodies stacked in the open and the city smelling like death. Ooh. I know. How lovely. Ooh. We're just getting on a great topic today. I know
0: it. Similar to my topic today. <laughs> Perfect. Ain't going to be a happy episode. <laughs> if you're in a high, great mood today, welcome to me. Right. Green. Forget all of that. <laughs> right.
1: So it's estimated that at least 25 million people died during this plague. It's thought that one-fourth of the population of the Eastern Mediterranean died. The second pandemic in the late Middle Ages is when the Black Death started. And that's, of course, this is the one that everyone knows about. Mm -hmm. It started in Central Asia, spreading to Asia and then to Sicily. From there, it's traced into Italy and France. Ships then carried it into England. One large port in England, Southampton, I was at during my time there. Okay. It's believed by some that it could have been one of the first entry points of the plague into England. Ooh. Yeah. Estimates of death are between 75 to 200 million people. It is the most fatal pandemic in recorded history. Half of the population of Europe died as well as one-third of the population of the Middle East. The most recent and third time the plague appeared is in the late 1800s. In 1894, in the southwest area of China, the plague started ravishing the area. In the city of Canton, the disease had killed 80,000 people within six months. Water traffic from Canton to nearby Hong Kong brought the plague there, leading to the death of 20,000 people with a fatality rate of more than 93%. And then from ship, it arrived to the port of San Francisco. They're going to blame it on the (laughs) gays. Not quite, (laughs) but...
0: Not yet. Something
1: something to to do with this. So it was the summer of 1899. A steamship called the SS Australia arrived in San Francisco. It had two cases of plague on board. When they got near the city, they were made to quarantine on Angel Island. When the boat was searched, those two people were missing. The bodies were later found in the bay. An autopsy showed that they contained the plague bacteria. The plague didn't seem to appear after that until nine months later, when a deceased man was discovered to have it. Now, all the way up until this time, people thought the plague was infecting one another through food or open wounds. No one knew that the plague was being spread through a bacteria, through fleas being carried on rats. However, in 1894, six years before the plague hit San Francisco, a researcher did identify this, and he published his findings. But San Francisco had a few things going against it. Before the plague hits the city, cuts were made, and a huge cut had been made to the city's health works. And the governor was shady as shit. No. Yes.
0: Governors are always so trustworthy.
1: <laughs> he was someone that was mostly focused on how things would impact his reelection of and didn't seem to make decisions that were better for the residents of his state. Now, anti-American Chinese feelings were strong in the city. And before I go into that, I want to add a little bit more to it. So before this date happened, of course, we're talking about the 1899. Good year. Yeah, the summer of 1899. In 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act went into effect. Do you know what that is?
0: Um. I have not heard of that. I know that Chinese are the ones that built the railroads and we actually had concentration camps here for Asians in America, on American soil.
1: Uh, I know that we had concentration camps for Japanese Americans, but that was I don't think at they a cared. they just, you know, any any oh, Asian, yeah, yeah. they're like yeah. you get in there. But during the Chinese Exclusion Act, it started in 1882. It was a federal law and it was the first and only law that prevented all members of a national group from immigrating to the U.S. And it went into effect, as I mentioned, in 1882. And it didn't go out of law into 1943. So for a very long time, that was the case. Jesus. Right. But even in 1943, when the law
0: was taken off the books. That don't mean people going to wake up not racist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, listen to this. In 1943, they would then only allow 105 people to immigrate to the U.S. from China until 1952. That was when a law was passed basically saying that they can't do that, that they can't just exclude one group of people. Okay. So from 1882 to basically 1952, if you were Chinese, you had a hard time getting into the country, if at all. So these people who were in San Francisco already who were Chinese-American people, the anti-Chinese feelings at the time were very strong. To give you an idea of why that was the case, a little history lesson very quickly is that a lot of Chinese people had immigrated to the U.S. when gold was found in California. So a lot of Chinese people had immigrated to specifically California during that period of time. okay, They were, you know, accepted. I wouldn't say accepted very well by the... Boring white people. (laughs) By the boring white people, yeah. (laughs) However, as the gold was starting to be diminished and was harder to find and people grew less happy and had more problems... What always happens in history is people need someone to blame. Oh, yeah. And the Chinese-American immigrants, they were happy to start taking labor being paid very little. So they were taking up jobs that were being paid very little, these labor jobs. And so these boring white people needed people to blame, and they decide, well, we're going to blame these Chinese-American people. Right,
0: because black slavery hadn't made its way over there yet, so they <laughs> right. had to blame. It can't be the white people. It's got to yeah. be the, anybody else. Yeah, so they started blaming the Chinese-American History people. History in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> and that's how the hatred of the Chinese-Americans started happening. So they shut the borders to the Chinese. So these people who specifically are especially in San Francisco who are Chinese Americans. You also have to take into account that these Chinese Americans living in Chinatown in San Francisco, they're locked in. Like if they leave the country, they won't be coming back, you know? Right. So they won't be able to have any new family members coming in, nothing like that. So there's a huge anti Chinese American sentiment happening in the U S the law has been effect for a while that no more chinese people are allowed to come in so there's just a, a big chinese verse us feeling in the u.s so i
0: still feel like that is around today there's I mean, there's a, there's a, a
1: lot, lot of people who and again there's a lot of blaming yeah that's going what it, on it whether it be the, the anti-chinese them. american or anti-whatever american it's always someone else being blamed for exactly. people's problems. So at this time, again, in 1899, the anti Chinese Americans feelings were strong in San Francisco and it didn't help that first person who died on land nine months after the ship incident was from the Chinese American community. Hmm. So the first step they took was of course, they're going to quarantine Chinatown and In my opinion, which, of course, amounts to nothing, like I'm thinking that these boring white people just looked for any excuse they could to cut out these Chinese people, these Chinese American people from the high civilized white people. Um, So if they could use this as an excuse to exclude, they were going to do it. And And I'm sure
0: it wasn't a civil, you know, lockdown. Yeah. yeah. And and so the
1: Chinese Americans that were living in Chinatown object to the quarantine because that's how they felt. They felt like this anti-Chinese sentiment has been happening to them for a very long time. They're tired of it. Yeah. They have felt excluded. And then now one of their own has died. And then now you're trying to make them excluded even more. And so the Chinese-Americans objected, as well as the business community in San Francisco. The Chinese-Americans wanted to protect their rights because, like I said, they have felt like they've been excluded this entire time. The businesses were afraid that if you exclude the Chinese-Americans from leaving their area, that it would hurt businesses because, of course, these are laborers. Right. And those white people who are relying on their labor... They're not going to be able to get that labor.
0: Like Florida right now with the (laughs) banning of Hispanic people.
1: Yeah. So those people who relied on the Chinese Americans were like, "Uh, we don't want that because it hurts us.
0: Right. I don't want to do that job.
1: Yeah. So everyone else liked it because they already had the anti-Chinese American sentiment. So the governor, the shady man, he agreed. He too didn't want the plague being in the city to hurt his appearance. In the state or the country. So the quarantine was lifted shortly after, and instead, health officials ran house to house doing inspections in Chinatown. But people in Chinatown resisted. They were hiding their dead and locking their doors. Again, it was mainly because they didn't trust the people of San Francisco. Understandably. Which is, yeah, because of how they were treated. Two more victims did turn up. And the city's board of health officially announced that the
0: plague was present in their city. And just from what I know of Asian culture, I bet they were a lot cleaner than the white people around them were. They probably didn't want their dirty shoes. And I just feel like that would be the worst. Hey, these people might have the plague. Let's go into every single one of their houses and spread it even more. Chinatown in San Francisco was... So crowded.
1: Overpopulated and a poor community. Okay. So there were a lot of rats. That was the reason the plague entered the area. In a large city, it's hard not,
0: you know. Yeah.
1: And so I'm not saying that the place was dirty, but because of where it was in the city and being so populated and these people were so, it was the poor side, you know, these people were laborers and not being paid well for what they were doing. So they just didn't have a lot of money to live well, and they were
0: overcrowded. So I think my mentality comes from grandma t- telling us when we were younger, you know, our uh, her family, you know, they had dirt floors growing up, but they still swept it and the house was clean. You yeah. know, it don't matter if you have a dirt floor, you keep your place clean. <laughs>
1: sure. So the governor was furious when they announced that the plague was in the city, and he refused to believe that that was true. Which, you know, how ideal because if you don't want there to be the plague in the city, it just refuse to believe the truth, oh, yeah. you know, This how, sounds how, how so it, familiar, it, doesn't <laughs> it? So he made every effort to not only not help with the anti-plague effort, but also to hurt it, the city had to go to the county surgeon general for help, who got permission from President McKinley to pass anti-plague regulations. Meanwhile, the governor was telling everyone that the health department doctors were running wild in San Francisco. He then blamed the media for making it all up for sales. Wait, is... Right. We're in 1899 History does repeat itself. Right. Anything to make him look better, really, and to point the finger away from him. By this point, states were stopping their trade with California because of the outbreak which I don't blame those states. Like if the governor, the person who's ahead of the state is not taking it seriously and not doing anything about it, it's of course going to be worse. Right. And other states are not going to trust like how they're reacting and they're not like, they're not, they can't figure it out. We're not going to mess with it. Mm-mm. Like that's how I would react to They're
0: acting a fool. I ain't going yeah. over.
1: <laughs> like the city can't agree with the state. They're not unified. We're not dealing with it. So the city tried to form commissions and boards, because of course they're on their own, to help with the plague. But the governor fought them and would disband them. Or he would go through processes to underfund or reform them. One doctor who was working hard to solve the problem was fired and replaced. Finally, a new guy comes in and he really wanted to get to the bottom of it all. He goes to Chinatown and sees the conditions that most of the people are living in, and he notices that there is a very bad rat problem. Through trial and error, he finally links that, hey, these rats seem to have something to do with the spread of this thing. So he set up a system to try to get rid of them, even making it where the city would pay people to kill rats and turn them in. This eventually led to the cases slowing down. And in 1903, a new governor took office, and he vows to help the Board of Health in every
0: way that the former governor would not. So that governor did all that to get reelected and then wasn't reelected? Yes, because Good. I think by
1: that point in time, like the state in San Francisco is like, dude, do like, your job. You're, you're supposed to be with us, not against us. And I think everyone started realizing that he's just all in for himself. And so this new guy was like, hey... I'm going to run my campaign based on I'm going to help everyone and do what the governor's supposed to do. Will you guys vote for me? And everyone's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. That sounds great. I'd love a governor to help. Maybe Florida (laughs) will
0: come to their senses and do the same damn thing.
1: (laughs) Right. So on February 29th, 1904, a woman in the town of Concord died. And she was the last victim for a while of the plague. There were one hundred and twenty two documented deaths in the city, and of course it's kind of hard to know how many actual deaths there were because not only was the governor fighting off all the efforts of there actually being uh, you know a
0: pandemic
1: group, yeah, <laughs> of there actually being a group that was working on it, but also the Chinese Americans were not trusting the people who were trying to do Work on this You know Because of the Whole anti-Chinese Rightfully so sentiment. I wouldn't yeah. either So in 1906 The great earthquake Devastated San Francisco And The ruin of the city's Buildings Not only made people Homeless But the rats Were forced out Of their homes as well Over the next two years People lived In refugee camps Which were infested With rats Ugh. And fleas mm In 1907, cases of the plague started
0: to be reported. My first thought is, ooh, I imagine the smell. I try not to. I'm like making myself nauseous, like, oh. But this time, the city and
1: state fought hard to stop it. They offered a big bounty on rats and offered rat-catching campaigns again. The second epidemic was stronger than the first, but was stopped by 1909. So I think it's important to note that just because the plague was in Chinatown, I again want to reinforce that it doesn't mean that Chinatown was dirty or that these people were dirty. Like the first man who had died from it, when the inspector went to his home, he realized that he lived on the very lowest floor of the building and there were pipes on, you know, the ceiling of his room. And that pipe was often being used by rats in the city. Okay. So although his room was clean, rats could still get in, and they may not stay in his room, but fleas could come into the oh, room. Yeah. So I think that the thought that, oh, these people were dirty, is not an accurate thought. But just having fleas coming in from rats is how the thing was being spread.
0: And I mean, I've had fleas jump on my pant leg just walking through my yard. Like, yeah. You come in, and you're like, oh, there's a flea on me.
1: Yeah, and also when that ship got to land, it was very close to Chinatown, so those rats that would have been on the ship would have went there quickly. First. Got you know, gotten to the sewer system, and quickly got into Chinatown. So I think that that would have quickly you know spread into Chinatown,
0: but and the also price
1: smelled better too. Yeah, and how convenient would people be spreading the news that you know? oh, the Chinese Americans are the ones that are bringing this to us and they're the ones that are, you know. So I think that that also had a lot to do with it as well. So I think that's something to take away from it. Anybody to blame but themselves. Yeah. But this third instance of the plague is, uh, is something that's very interesting because it, of course, is the first time that we know of of the plague getting to North America. But it also is a belief that the plague will still exist in the city of San Francisco within the rat population. Okay. You know, it's not like that they would just get rid of it. Right. Um, so if another big earthquake were to happen, it's possible that some people could get the plague again. I San know Francisco. that
0: there are some cases in lesser developed countries. Yeah. Um, I mean, still to of this day. Yeah. Um, I do know one fun fact about the the bad plague that affected europe the the really bad one there was one i'm not sure if it's a province or a kingdom or a country but it was a very tiny if you look on a map of where the plague affected there's one little tiny speck in the center of it and that whole kingdom province whatever it's called was not affected by it because they were the only place around that had picked up the habit of bathing regularly mm. So, because they bathed regularly, they didn't, you know, have as many rats and fleas and Mm. kind of saved them. So, taking baths saved a little tiny kingdom from (laughs) the power of a a bar of soap. Right. Well,
1: I remember last year when I went to New York City, they apparently have a bad rat problem. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I didn't know this, but there was like someone dressed up in a huge rat costume with signs like there are people who are like wanting people to know that there's a bad rat problem and they want people to know about it and people to take care of it or something and so like this person was advertising that there's a rat problem in the city to people who are visiting apparently and i was just you know that was news to me so his effectiveness of marketing is working (laughs) but it was just he had a very weird costume on and so as i was looking this up and like learning more about The instance of this happening in San Francisco, I could just imagine, like, how quickly something like that would happen in New York if the plague ever hit New York City. Oh, yeah. Because of its horrible
0: rat problem. They're everywhere. I mean, even if you don't see them, they see you. Oh, my gosh. Did I tell you the time I saw a rat when I was uh, in—oh, my gosh, what
1: city is that? Um, Texas. Let's see. It's Austin. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So, it was a couple years ago. They had CrimeCon in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. So I go to Crime Con, and some friends want to go to this bar for dinner and then, you know, hang out or whatever. So there was a podcaster meetup. I go to it. And first of all, let me just say it was really hot. It's in the summer. It's Austin, Texas. And I asked how far away this meetup was going to be. And they're like, oh, it's just down the street. Lies. Perfect. Great. You know, awesome. So I wore flip-flops walking to this place. Their version of down the street was like a mile away. Ooh, it was literally, heat, uh-uh. yeah. It was like I think it was like at least like 10 or 12 blocks, something like that. And I swear to you, I felt like it was uphill. <laughs> like I get there and I'm like sweating up a mess. <laughs> I can't breathe very well. And I was just like done already with this. I was like, I would have ordered an Uber or a taxi
0: i'd rather starve in my hotel than do this yeah well like i would have planned
1: it i would have ordered an uber there it would have been fine perfect great but no i thought oh well if it's just down the street i'll definitely walk right you know so i, I walked with the group and i just thought oh it must just be around this corner and around the corner never got here and finally <laughs> i was just like where is this place it's down the street a little bit more and I around the street a little bit more never got there and finally i'm like guys where are we lost? <laughs> you know, so finally we get there to this bar.
0: And Where it's the like, hell you
1: taking me? Yeah, it's like a hole in the wall place. And I'm like, oh, it's a well-known establishment and they have really good food. And I was like, okay.
0: Better have air conditioning. <sighs>
1: right. Well, that's a another story. But anyway, <laughs> so we go in and we ordered food, right? And we're sitting there in this bar and it's a pretty tight place in Austin. And we're just sitting there all chatting and whatever, waiting on this food. And I look over and I thought that I saw a small but f- kind of fat short chihuahua
0: yeah and offensive by the way i have a <laughs> chihuahua that rude as hell not, not like yours right, but right. it was like a well, sm- the little ugly ones yeah
1: and i looked down like it was like a wiry thing you know and i asked someone i was like do they have like a pet chihuahua or something and someone else looked down they're like oh i think it's a rat <gasps> and i was like <gasps> they get that oh big my gosh like it was like a huge rat and i was like uh i can't eat here <laughs> no i had already ordered my food i was like tell them i'm not i can't do it cancel my order yeah just tell them i i got sick and i walked mm. out and i just started walking back and i was like should i just order an uber i didn't i ended up walking the whole freaking mile back just because i was like so like taken aback <laughs> because of how big <clears throat> that rat was and i thought that rat must just be like living there eating like leftovers or something Ooh. taking over the place. It probably owns the bar. Having
0: babies. Every- oh, it was
1: huge, though. Like, it was just... Uh. Anyway, so that was my experience
0: with a rat in Austin. I my, Massive. I've seen one in Chicago. We were there for, like, the weekend, and we were walking to a, a diner, which, again, it wasn't very far, so we'll walk. And it was at night <laughs> in downtown Chicago. We're real smart, you know, survival. <laughs> and I thought rats were just mice that like a fully grown mouse, you know, I I thought mice were like, oh, they're juvenile. Then when they're a rat, that means they're fully grown. I didn't realize they were separate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're walking and it's a city. So there's garbage and other stuff on the street. And I happen to see like half a piece of a large piece of pizza on the sidewalk, about 10 feet in front of me. And then all of a sudden out of the bushes, something big and black, like doesn't crawl out. It, jumps like hops like a freaking frog <laughs> over to this pizza grabs it looks at right at us like yeah go ahead and take it and then hops right back into the bushes and my brain i'm like what the hell was that and oh that was a rat just yeah. so calmly and well, i'm that was right i had a mace with me i'm like i feel uh-huh. like i should go kit like oh yeah and uh i just i don't know if i could live in a big city like, they get so accustomed mm. to the big old giant rats. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, no, I can't do it. We're walking around with a shovel. Uh-huh, no. <laughs> come at me. No. Even coming back from the diner, we had leftovers. And I made my friend's husband carry the leftovers. Because I'm like, nope, a rat's going to smell that and just come and carry me <laughs> off. I am not doing <laughs> it. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't blame you. Well, my story is... Bloody as well, but only no rats with this one. I called it Bloody Ale. Bloody Ale. (laughs) I watched Harry Potter. My mystery is about to me one of the most fascinating women in history as I mean basically all women are fascinating <laughs> to me if right. you haven't if you haven't learned I like women's history more than I do men's <laughs> I first learned about her when my friend Casey and I watched a movie loosely based on her in high school called Stay Alive It is a movie about a video game that Elizabeth Bathory's spirit has possessed, and if you die in the game, you die that way in real life. I know she played the villain in the movie, but my little gay ass was obsessed (laughs) with her. I did not know at the time that she was a real person, but the bathing in blood thing, I was accustomed to. I mean, how many times did we hear growing up, I'm bathed in his blood, often, are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Was a song we often sang growing up. In Elizabeth's case, the lambs were virgin girls, allegedly. I use allegedly a few times in this. How many times have you said that you were a virgin on Grindr, Josh? <laughs>
1: ah, yeah, right. They wouldn't believe I'm a virgin. I
0: had one guy say, uh, That my eyes looked real innocent, so that means that I must not be. And I'm like, oh, you're right, sir. I mean, you know, I'm like, you Mm. you got it. I was desensitized to the concept of bathing in blood. Even the house we grew up in, Grandma told me, you never have to be scared because the house was washed in the blood. Well, for a very literal child, I will say I spent way too much time searching for a bloody smear on the walls of her house. (laughs) Never found one. I just assumed it was under the siding. What I find mysterious about Elizabeth Bathory is that almost everyone knows about her and what she did, but how much of it is true? She was a powerful and influential woman, and we all know history is rarely kind to them. Right? Was she a vain and bloodthirsty human vampire, or were they all lies created by men? To take away her power and money for their own agendas. Let's take the mask off of her and look closely at the wrinkles in her story. Hmm. I love, sorry, I, love, I wrote that and cracked myself up. I love tying stuff together. I'm sure you laughed for a good ten minutes. I did. I did. <laughs> my mom's probably listening to me in my room. Like, what the hell is his problem? She lives with me. I don't live with my mother. <laughs> She's ill. Her surname, Bathory, translates to good hero, which is funny since she's literally known for killing young women and bathing in their blood to preserve her own beauty. Still not judging, I currently use about five tonics and creams and one has snail secretions in it to fight my aging skin. (laughs) And Shane uses one product.
1: One (laughs) One product
0: (laughs) with pH balancing something in it. Honey, I think that might be Vagisil. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth was born in 1560 and lived in Hungary, where her family was basically the head honchos. They were predominantly Protestant and they ran Transylvania. Her uncle was even the king of Poland. Let's say Mrs. Bathory wasn't hurting for money. Her family had so much, in fact, that they often lent money out to other families of nobility as well as royals. It is believed that Elizabeth was epileptic and would suffer from seizures and migraines throughout her life, as well as violent mood swings. Anyone who has ever had a migraine can definitely understand the mood swings. Mm -hmm. But back then, they had no idea what it was, so it was kept secret, because, you know, it can't get out that a noble woman, they probably thought, you know, oh, she's being possessed by demons or devils or God knows what. Right. Jesus. In 1557, she married a warrior Count Nadasti, who is known as Hungary's black hero. He was a member of another powerful Hungarian family, and they moved to Castle Kastis. It is believed that they had a marriage of duty, but eventually led to love. To further show how powerful her family was, even after she was married, she kept her last name instead of taking her husband's. If you study history like I do, you'll know how rare that is. A family name was everything, especially to nobles, and for her, a woman to keep her name would have been exceptionally unusual. The couple would end up producing five children together, with three of them, two girls and one boy, surviving into adulthood, which, pretty good odds back then. Humans would often have as many children as possible with the hopes of at least one surviving to grow into an adult and heir. Even the nobility couldn't escape the diseases and unsanitary conditions. Sadly for Elizabeth, her husband would die in 1604 and left her in charge and with a target on her back. Now that she was even more wealthy because she just inherited all of her husband's money and lands and... More of a target. Think of how history has treated women. Now add more power, influence, and a boatload of gold. Unshockingly, after Count Nadasti's death, rumors quickly began to spread. Now, nobility was not just a title and a cushy position, Elizabeth had responsibilities as well to the peasants on her land. She was in charge of running everything and punishing those who broke the law. That I did not realize. I knew, you hear like of nobles, I just thought, oh, they sit around and enjoy their money, but they were in charge of whatever land that they owned. Mm -hmm. Everybody that lived on their land, they were in charge of. Right. There could have been a steady supply of virgin blood just from the prisoners, but she would also have had another way to easily acquire it. The life of a peasant was miserable, and if you were a woman... It was even worse. They were basically property that had to be married off as soon as possible. The lucky ones would be called on to be handmaids to noble families, which still doesn't sound good to me, but that sure beats pushing out babies in the mud. (laughs) The girls' families would know that they would never see their daughters again, but would believe that they were safe and living it up as top-tier peasants in a castle with things like food and heat. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. How convenient. Lush, lush life. <laughs> Today, people complain about getting a pickle on their burger when they say no pickle. These girls would have been happy just to have been out of their huts and not have the fear of having their virtues being forcibly taken by a drunk peasant man or their own fathers. And Elizabeth, like everyone else at that time, was accustomed to brutality. From a young age, she would have witnessed executions and punishments being dolled out. Things like whipping people until they're bloody, cutting off hands for stealing, and women being burned for witchcraft or simply unwomanly behavior. How dare. Oh, how dare. Think of all the medieval forms of punishment they had. The Iron Maiden was gentle compared to a lot of other forms. Which, if you don't know that, that's the big metal casket that Mm -hmm. looks like a woman with the spikes in your face. Acupuncture (laughs) and isolation, not so bad. If the hundreds of girls and children taken by Elizabeth were true, you can see how no peasant would even dare to attempt to accuse such a powerful family of any wrongdoing. Even a whisper of a rumor could have resulted in excruciating pain and or death. It is also said that Elizabeth had several ladies helping her, as well as an evil witch, who is the one who taught her the power of blood magic. All of the women did confess, but under torture, that the countess was guilty of all charges. I mean, if they used those torture methods on me, they could get me to say I was straight. Right. Me? Gay? What list? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I love women. I hate scars Yeah, oh, I hate it <laughs> My wrist is so strong and sturdy <laughs> 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 Again, under torture, the woman said that Elizabeth would order them to round up young virgins So that she could drain them of their blood and bathe in it to preserve her beauty Ooh, I'm picturing the smell, sorry Ugh. If you've ever smelled large amounts of blood, it's pretty dang gross For her to have been able to bathe in it from head to toe means that she either had a very strong stomach or the other horrible smells of the time just completely removed her sense of smell. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't imagine bathing in blood. I had a bloody nose the other day and just the smell and taste of that few minutes was like, ugh. It would not be until 1604 that Elizabeth would become more reckless with her harvesting for it was then that she began acquiring girls from other noble families. Similar to peasants being her handmaids, girls from other noble families would live under Elizabeth to learn how to be a good and proper lady, being educated and trained for their future position as a bejeweled birthing sow. I, you know, basically... Unlike the peasants, noble families would expect some form of communication from their daughters, if not, you know, expecting them to be returned to them once they've been educated. Elizabeth would have had to have either been stupid or incredibly egotistical to have believed that there would be no repercussions to murdering noble girls. I wonder if she thought maybe their blood, since it came from money, that it would be more effective? if it's true, allegedly. She would also have had to have kept the girls alive until they were drained, as dead blood would have congealed quickly, using just enough blood from her treatment until the girls were too weak to live. Then they were dumped somewhere on the property or thrown into her moat. Allegedly. After King Matthias tasked her own cousin with investigating the disappearance of noble girls, Elizabeth's crimes finally started to come to light He began to question people who lived on her vast estate And quickly became aware that over 600 girls Had gone to the castle Never to be seen again 600 girls and not one person mm-hmm. uh, Like that, that I just I don't believe that mm. for one second Seems weird Some even said that they were survivors And that Elizabeth amused herself by torturing them Some of the ways they described being tortured were things like red-hot pokers and needles being stuck into their skin, being plunged into icy water, or even being tied up and covered in honey on an anthill. As well, they accused Elizabeth of cannibalism and witchcraft. Elizabeth and her servants were arrested on December 30th in 1609, and the state that her castle was in was said to have been very damning again the witnesses were all men of power who would have loved nothing more than to remove her from power the men who arrested her were made up of a priest the prime minister her cousin who is tasked by the king to investigate and also a local governor as well as several soldiers They crept up to the huge wooden door of the castle, careful not to be spotted, as they were literally afraid that Elizabeth would see them and cast a spell on them. My heavens. (laughs) I'm honestly sometimes studying history. I'm like, how the hell have we managed to make it to 2023? I swear. (laughs) Upon entering the open door of the castle... They first saw six cats who were said to have been guards for the countess. After moving further in, they saw the first body of a girl who is barely clothed and appeared to have been drained of blood. Close by her, they discovered another girl with pierce marks all about her skin and was pale as if her blood had been drained. She was still alive, but barely. So the men left her there to die. You could blame her death on them. I'm just saying, they could have saved her. Just saying. As they moved further in, they saw another dead girl who was chained to a pillar and also had been drained of blood. You know, they just don't make haunted houses like they used to. Right. The smell of decay was also said to have filled the air of the castle, especially as the men made their way down to the dungeons. They followed faint cries, and they came upon prison cells that were overfilled with women and children, all of whom had scars indicating repeated bleedings. They were then set free, and the men continued their way up the castle in search of Elizabeth. The next room, they discovered, is said to have been filled with evidence of a kinky orgy that was supplied with plenty of alcohol and even torture. When they finally found Elizabeth, they took her and locked her in a room in her castle as her temporary prison. The women who aided her were then taken and tortured for the next year. Tortured for a year by medieval torture devices until they finally confessed. I mean, who wouldn't? I, I would confess to anything after a year of medieval torture and they confessed that their mistress had indeed ordered them to capture and help her drain girl's blood. They also confessed that she worshipped the devil and practiced magic with the help of another witch, who conveniently was nowhere to be found. The women who helped her were then executed for their involvement, or to keep them from recanting. See, all kinds of shady, I just... Mm. Right. Elizabeth, being a powerful noblewoman, would not be brought to trial. Instead, she was kept under castle arrest in a windowless room for the remainder of her days. She was found dead, most likely by suicide, at the age of 54. Remember when I mentioned earlier that she often loaned money out to other nobles and royalty? Well, the very king who tasked her cousin with finding damning evidence, King Matthias, was in deep debt to Elizabeth. When she was arrested, guess whose debt was completely wiped clean? Yep, (laughs) him and all the other men who used her money. Is Elizabeth Bathory one of history's bloodiest female serial killers, or was she just a woman who happened to have wealth and power? After her arrest and death, her estate went to her family— who were much easier to control and more submissive to the powers of the king. It wasn't until long after her death that rumors would even begin to spread about her, over 100 years after her death, in fact. Things like she was a devil-worshipping vampire witch who drained virgins of their blood to keep herself young. Can you think of an easier way to remove a woman from power back then? Accuser of witchcraft or devil-worshipping? Again, I feel that it would have been more believable if they chose one or two instead of so many. Witchcraft, devil worship, sexual deviance, kinky dominatrix, vampire, cannibal, murderer. Good Lord. How would she have had time for anything else? I mean... (laughs) Well, men used
1: to do that if they were, you know, done with their wives, if they were cheating and they wanted to be with their mistress. Right. They used to just be like, oh, she's crazy. She's a witch.
0: She's mad, let's put her in a cell. Mm Mm-hmm. They used to just put them in mental institutions. I would love to hear what all you all think. Elizabeth did plead not guilty to all charges and claimed that the girls died of diseases and that she was not responsible for nature. I mean, people died of so much back then. Nasty. Was the majority of the legend of Countess Elizabeth Bathory just a plan concocted by powerful men to remove a woman? who was more powerful and wealthy than they were? Or was she truly one of history's bloodiest serial killers and a devil-worshipping witch who was sent back to hell? (laughs) Well, for someone who does not believe in the devil, I'd put my money on the actions of horrible men who didn't like her, who didn't like being under the thumb of a woman. And I'm going to end with my southern phrase of the day, and twisting the truth is like putting perfume on a pig. (laughs) How lovely. And join us for Unmasked. I have some extra little tidbits I found about her and how I think that she did not do it. I think she's just been a scapegoat all these years and her soul is unable to rest because, I mean, everybody thinks she's this horrible woman.
1: Well, before we get to Unmasked, we do have some new reviews I wanted to share. Oh, good. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> Well, for for our first review, it's from Anne McGann. Anne McGann. Anne
0: McGann. I'm hoping. Hello, Ann McGann. How hello, are you doing? Anne
1: McGann. So five stars. Titled, you brothers are the best part of my day. Aww. Oh, lovely, Anne. I loved today's podcast and really every podcast you have done. The stories are so interesting and your take on them is really entertaining. Such a great brother team. Honestly. I could listen to both of you all day. Plus, I love Rotten to the Core. Where can I get merchandise for both shows? So we do have, to answer the question about merchandise, we do typically offer merchandise for our Patreon supporters. Um, So if you'd sign up for our Patreon, we have cups. We do mail out stickers and stuff like that throughout the year at certain points we will send out uh, mailers if we have uh, merchandise created that's specific to each show as well so if you listen to the show and we have something created uh, we will mention it on the show but we will also mail out and we'll make posts on our social stuff and we will also let our patreon supporters know like if we have shirts or if Josh makes something for something, you know. I've got like ideas.
0: That. I just haven't made it yet. I <laughs> haven't had it sent out to be made yet.
1: <laughs> right. So thank you for your review. We do have those cups too still. Yeah, we do have a lot of Mystery ink cups. Tumblers. Tumblers, yes. So if you are a Patreon supporter or if you'd like one and you're not a Patreon supporter, you can just email us and let us know and we will hook you up with one of our Tumblers. So, we have another five-star review. This one, their title name was E-L-S. So, L's. E-L-S. Maybe it's their initials. L's. I don't know. L's. So, five stars. Love it. I'd love to just hear a podcast with just the banter
0: between you. See? Per- <laughs> bad review person before. People right? like our banter.
1: <laughs> but the topics are intriguing as well. Thanks for making me smile.
0: Our pleasure. Yes, thank you, ELS. We appreciate you. That is one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I feel that my relationship with you is one of the things I hold the most dear to me. Oh yeah. And I love that we can take our relationship and use it to make other people happy. Yeah. Great point. And the last review that I will share
1: for this episode is from Anner's thirty three omg pop
0: oh i love that (laughs) name already omg and pop
1: Pop. so five stars great find thank y'all for such great content super interesting topics and y'all's relationship and fun banter warms my heart exclamation point smiley face they're from the south they sound like they're from the south how you doing
0: y'all hey y'all let's put some butter in it well y'all it's our pleasure i love
1: yeah, we appreciate you and thank you for taking the time to leave us a review. We appreciate that.
0: Yes, if you like us and you feel like ever leaving us a review, please help yourself. And if you don't like us, go listen somewhere else. Find <laughs> a book to read. Right.
1: Go to the park, do a little walking. Pray know. pray to Jesus. Find someone to pray to or something.
0: Do do something. Get a hobby. Yeah, find something <laughs> to do. Yeah. I have plenty of hobbies I can show (laughs) you. Yeah, right, right.
1: Okay, Josh, let's go ahead and start our Unmasked episode.
0: All righty, well, we'll talk at you all later. See you there. Bye. Bye.